Welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with investors, influencers, and remarkable personalities. Hello and welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with our investors, partners, and remarkable personalities. I'm Konstantin Kogan, co-founder of Gamespad. And we're excited to welcome a very special guest today, Medida Gao, who's a managing general partner at Shima Capital, an early stage global venture firm focused on supporting cutting edge blockchain startups. We're glad to share that Yida entered a famous list of Forbes 30 under 30s. And we're more glad that Yida is actually our investor and our friend. So welcome, Yida. Thank you for having me, Constantine. Yes, it's it's really a pleasure. And, you know, since we started hearing about crypto, you know, there's been like three three different bear markets and three different setups. I know that you participated, you know, like in crypto for quite a while. Um, and curious to hear about your journey a little bit, like, and how is the current bear market different from the previous ones in your experience? Yeah, sure. Happy to uh, give a little bit of insights here um, and a little bit about um, where we where we started. So, um, I started off my career uh, doing investment banking. So I worked on Wall Street, I'm working Stanley, doing M&A banking, um, and quickly realized that the existing financial uh, infrastructure is a little bit backwards. So I got out of that, packed my bags, moved over to the West Coast and um, worked at, uh, a at the time, the largest VC fund in the world, which was NEA, New Enterprise Associates. Started there in 2015, um, tried to source, you know, fintech deals. And part of that was looking into crypto. So, um, you know, back in 16, 17, um, really tried to get a couple of deals through the partnership, but could not as it related, related to crypto. Um, and, uh, and so I, I left, started the, uh, my first crypto fund called DDC. It was more of an open-ended hedge fund. Um, and, and then fast forward to last year, um, raised a closed-ended venture fund, uh, Shima Capital. Uh, which is, which is focused on, uh, investing into early stage, uh, pre-seed, seed investments, um, in Web3. We want to be the first institutional checks in to, uh, into these companies. Um, the observation we made is that, um, over these many cycles, um, as you know, Constantine, a lot of funds in the crypto space have ballooned in size. And so it's hard for them to invest into you know seed pre-seed where uh, the check sizes are you know generally smaller uh, we see that as a good area for us to uh, in pocket of opportunity for us to uh, come in with a you know a, a check that um you know allows us to have the kind of power law returns that you see in in, in uh in the space and have that margin of safety given how volatile the market is uh, in terms of lower valuations um and and so that was the thesis. Uh, we were we were lucky enough to raise around two hundred million for the fund, um, and we um, are generalist fund, so investing across all of the uh, exciting verticals within crypto, um, from infrastructure to gaming. Uh, gaming is actually one of our largest, um, you know, uh, you know, sectors, and we have three investors on our team that only focus on gaming metaverse type of investments. Uh, and to answer your question regarding how this cycle is a little bit different than, than others, um, I think every cycle has kind of the, uh, the, the large movement of, of token prices. And, and from the last cycle, it was, it was about ICOs, right? As you, as you remember in, in, in 16, 17, uh, into 18. And, you know, it was just a, the, the ERC 20 
uh, standard uh, made it easy for investors, um, retail investors, institutional investors to invest um, into into projects. And because of how easy it was to invest, um, we didn't really see um, a lot of projects that actually had uh, you know traction and product uh, raising capital. Uh, a lot of them were doing so very easily. Um, and the types of investors on the institutional side were very few. Um, and and so what I see as the difference between this cycle is that you have more institutional investors coming into the space, traditional venture funds uh, on Sand Hill Road, you know, Silicon Valley, um, were standing up crypto specific funds to invest into um, the space, into tokens um, that you didn't really see in the last bull market last cycle uh and and especially the cycle before that because you know erc20 standards and altcoins were not even a thing um so that i think that was that's a, a big difference um i think that um different types of categories like gaming has has come up in a in a very real way um you know last cycle there weren't really gaming companies that were raising capital. If you remember, you know, a lot of it was infrastructure bets, uh, layer one protocols from Polkadot to Solana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and now, you know, we're moving up the stack, you know, closer to the consumers, uh, closer to retail and, and users. And so, um, I think, you know, for this conversation, this, this, uh, talk, you know, we want to talk more about that side of the spectrum, which are uh, gaming companies and um, that that entire uh, market, which which we believe is very very obvious as the, the low hanging fruit opportunity um, for crypto uh, adoption. So it's interesting that you mentioned you're kind of uh, more sector agnostic, right? You know, and uh, I I know you have a huge portfolio of companies across like infrastructure, gaming, right? But, but- in your opinion, like to be objective, like what sectors within Web3 are particularly attractive for VCs right now? Because we hear a lot that people invest only in infrastructure and they're like slowed down on gaming a lot, right? So what do you, what is your stance here? Um, I think uh, a lot of VC, if you just take a, a random VC fund that's investing in crypto right now, they'll probably say infrastructure, right? And the reason why they're saying that mm-hmm. is um, infrastructure projects take longer to uh, mature and they take uh, they, they they just are larger projects and right now in a bear market it's hard to think about the 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 contrary right how do you get um, you know retail investors to invest in the consumer app or use a consumer app in crypto when you're in a bear market so um, if you just take the opposite of that then you know the 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 other end of the spectrum would be infrastructure and a bear markets are great for infrastructure companies uh, because one, it's less, it, it's, uh, it's, it's cheaper to hire engineers, right? You need more engineers, um, and you need more talent to build these long, longer lasting, uh, infrastructure plays. So that's one. Um, and in a bear market, you can, you can hire, um, you know, easier and it's more uh, cost efficient. Two, um, as I was what I hinted at before, which is, um, the, the market, right? The retail market, uh, which crypto is very much driven by retail, as you know, at least now, given how nascent the industry is. Um, you know, the retail market is not really there, right? To buy, you know, the NFTs to, you know, buy tokens on, on a decentralized exchange or a centralized exchange, like in a bull market. So, um, that, that caters, you know, to more of a, um, infra kind of mindset. And then three, 
um, with all of the uh, issues that have gone on with FTX, Solana, uh, uh, Luna, and, and, and all of these uh, blowups, uh, we realized that we need to go back to the basics, foundational level of uh, investing. And there's a lot of um, things that needs to be built out um, on the you know layer one infra level um, that can bring the next kind of wave of, of interest into the space. Um, and and I think I think infrastructure plays um, because they have a larger opportunity. Um, it's easier to underwrite these types of investments, you know, relative to you know high um, potentially high grift uh, and also you know high risk of consumer plays. So, so there's another question which uh, comes to the following one. So, a lot of um, now folks obviously switch from tokens to equity, right? You know, so uh, you're still deploying to, to tokens, and um, uh, it's a contrarian view, I would say, uh, as opposed to others so can you explain a little bit like you know for people who are just getting into the space what's the main difference and why you still prefer to deploy to both <clears throat> yeah i mean I, I think for us right we we love the shorter time to liquidity of token investments uh we, we we also understand the downside protection that you get from investing into equity so when we um we issue term sheets and negotiate uh deals we typically are looking for both and it's the pendulum has swung from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Buyers meaning investors, sellers meaning companies, founders, and and so now that um, it's a buyer's market, investors, you know, with with, cap- with capital, you know, cash is king, have more of of, of leverage. You know, we're we're negotiating um, both the uh, the equity and the token, which makes sense, right? Because in a bull market, you kind of are. You, you you kind of have to um, bend a little bit to uh, the market, and if if all of the companies that you would want to invest in are only issuing uh, SAFs or uh, selling tokens, um, if you want to have exposure, then you know you you may need to just you know um, only purchase the tokens. But with tokens, you don't really have um, a lot of control and and and, and governance, um, and as mm-hmm. the blow up of FTX has shown us we need more governance and control in this space. Um, and so that's why we are kind of moving more towards traditional venture investing, which is, you know, uh, having an ownership stake in the, in the equity. Um, but we also are a web native fund and we understand the benefits of having a token. And uh, and if you are a web three native company, then, you know, you need to design a, um, a token that, that can be sustainable and make sense. Uh, for your for your project, so um, it's not it's not a, a requirement to have a token, but I would say ninety plus percent of our investments have some sort of uh, token component. So maybe you can describe one particular deal that would, was lately, and um, the reasons why I invested to just uh, explain the example. How are you looking at the market right now? Uh, sure. Um, so let's see here. One of the <clears throat> companies um, that we. Invested. You're, you're asking for a, a company that we've invested in recently that has both a token and yeah, recently or... in this particular bear market. I think it's very important for people to hear that you you know the, for, from the fund that is still deploying. Why and how are you looking at the market, right? Because you know there's a sometimes there is like this depressive like uh, sentiment that you know oh no one is deploying and we have to wait for a year, which is not true. We clearly see that you guys are active, right? Sure. Um, so. Um, I'm just trying to think which ones we've, we've, uh, we've announced. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we've, uh, yeah. So there's a, there's a company that we've invested in that 
Um, okay, so let me take a step back. So right now, um, in any type of winter or bear market across Web3 or Web2 or Web1, you know, people are going back to um, profitability, uh, uh, you know, compared to growth, right? They care more about sustaining a, a, a business that, that makes sense from a, um, you know, revenue perspective. And a lot of projects, as you know, do not generate uh, a lot of revenue uh, in crypto. A lot of it is based on, you know, increasing in token prices, network value, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we were really, um, you know, focused on looking at companies that have uh, sustainable business models. And, you know, one, one category, right, that we were always interested in was in the category of of uh, having um, user acquisition methods for bringing more people into Web3. Um, and what what's something that exi- what, what are some of the largest companies in the world today? Well, they are companies that sell ads, right? You have Facebook, Google, um, you know, they make money by selling ads and acquiring users for brands and, and others who are paying for those ads. That doesn't really exist uh, natively in the Web3 world. Um, and we believe that um, there could be very interesting ways to sell ads in Web3 where maybe you don't need to uh, own, uh, you know, the data of uh, of the user. Um, but if you think about um, cookies and how they work, you know, uh, like internet, um, you know, cookies, the, um, the wallet that every single user has, a gamer playing a Web3 game to um, a trader um, doing DeFi, um, that that wallet can act as a cookie, um, caching a lot of information for uh, for that specific uh, wallet address, and, and that can be tracked. And what's interesting is that 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 uh, that wallet address, that cookie, gives you more insights into that uh, holder of that wallet than a traditional cookie in Web two, because you have financial information. Um, it's like if you had access to um, you know the bank account of um, every eyeball viewing you know a coca-cola um, advertisement and and so we think that there's you know something there um it's a large market in terms of you know um, ad revenues in, in web 2 and so a recent investment we made is in a company that um, is trying to build you know the web 3 version of google adsense or AdMob. Um, and i think this applies uh, very very well into you know a lot of different verticals including gaming right with apple cutting off a lot of the uh, tracking that goes on uh, in uh, their phones for um, for game developers. Um, it's, it's, it makes it increasingly hard to, you know, pinpoint, you know, how to serve, um, you know, ads and appropriate ads to uh, gamers. So I think, you know, uh, a Web3 uh, version or a method could be um, a, a nice narrative. Uh, for the next book market. So listen, I, I I would love to ask you like dozens more questions, but the the purpose of this uh, um, stream is also to make sure our users, you know, like our you know listeners, are asking you directly. So uh, we're gonna open the, the you know the questions from the audience. There is already a lot of them. It's gonna come from YouTube Live, Twitter Live, LinkedIn Live. Uh, so I'm just gonna read it to you directly, and then you um i'll provide the answer so charlie from youtube is asking so i've read on venture beat that 55 percent of crypto developers say the bear market has increased their desire to build in your observations how has the bear market affected the developers uh uh and you personally that you personally know yeah so in terms of the uh developer um kind of activity in the space that's definitely something that we we look very closely into um 
uh, Electric Capital does a really nice um, uh, annual report about developer activity uh, in the space. And, you know, we look at it from, you know, on-chain data and also looking at GitHub across different types of uh, major projects. And we really haven't seen a slowdown that, um, of developers, you know, coming to the space. Um, and I think a lot of developers who were shying away from crypto and Web3 and a bull market because of all the craziness and, you know, vol- volatility that you see are now, you know, more interested than, than before, um, before, um, you know, the, the crashes of, of, of today. And they realize that, you know, it's, it's quieter now, you know, it's a, it's a good time to, to really uh, get into the space. And it's, it's actually um, also a, a good time to reach out to founders of, of projects and it's easier to, um, you know, start conversations with, with folks um, uh, at, at major projects that maybe you otherwise would not be able to, you know, chat with um, before. Um, and there are more um, tools, uh, tooling, and also languages now that developers uh, that make it easier for developers to get into the space. Um, you know, we're fairly um, bullish on uh, the new types of L1s coming out that are built with uh, the MovieM language coming out of Facebook. It makes it very easy um, to. Uh, to build smart contracts and abstracts away security in a way that is as safe. Um, and that's something that we, we think is going to be a, a good bullish sign for more developers coming into space. Captain Hoddle from YouTube is asking, AI has uh, recently become a trend for investors. Do you see a model where AI and Web3 are integrated? Do you think it's a good match? Yeah, I mean, it, theoretically, it, 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 it should be, right? It should be a good match. Um, if you think about all the AI models that are getting created, uh, chat GPT um, with, you know, Dolly 2 and, and all this stuff coming out of OpenAI and others, um, it's a little bit scary, right? And how do you know what's real, what's not? Um, and, you exactly. know, what, one thing that crypto and, and blockchain technology enables is verification, right? You trust code, code is law. And if you can marry the two together, then I think it's uh, theoretically, as I mentioned, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and um, I think for you know, for AI, um, the the value right is going to be in the data sets. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of you know middleware companies, tooling companies getting built right now, but I think the value is going to be in unique data sets that companies um, can can create and um, and 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 you know crowdsourcing that data or getting that data in a way that protects the use the, the, protects the owners of that data through blockchain um, could be a way that. Uh, AI and blockchain can um, can have a happy happy marriage together. Yeah, there there's a, one question from LinkedIn, Mike, that you pro- uh, you already answered. It was about like infrastructure and technology, so probably going to skip that. But uh, there's another one interesting from Twitter. So uh, Ulusan Eleven from Twitter is asking: Nike recently announced its own Web three platform, Swoosh. Do you predict uh, an increase in investor confidence from seeing the big brands interested in the space? Uh, big brands coming into the space. Um, so I think there was a, a massive uh, interest in big brands coming into space, especially on the metaverse NFT side of, of the business, consumer consumer side. Um, and that is kind of trickled trickled out and and, and slowed down dramatically. Um, I do still think that there's going to be you know um, a massive influx of, of brands again on the advertising side, right? Why do big brands want to come to the space when you're talking about consumer brands? It's usually novel ideas that can that can help increase the uh the 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 wallet size of their existing you know um you know uh users and retail retail um you know folks consumers 
or it's novel ideas that can help uh, bring in new uh, consumers for their brands. Uh, and I think crypto is and, and uh, can, can still meet those those needs, uh, but it, it it's going to require better business models than than existed, you know, before just creating 10,000 NFTs and, and, and selling that, you know, it's, it's not very sustainable. So we're seeing a lot of interesting, what I consider functional, um, you know, digital assets or NFTs uh, that can be used by by brands. Um, but it will take time to, you know, really think through all of the good business models that that could, should exist. Um, I, I do think one interesting, um, you know, uh, opportunity for brands is, is getting into gaming, which is how do you have uh, brands um, kind of get into uh, games through uh, through NFTs or through digital assets and kind of uh, make it a very natural way for them to insert themselves into consumers that they otherwise would not be able to to see. But um, yeah, I, I don't think brands are going uh, going away. It's just you know we need to make sure that the models uh, work for them and also the projects the. The crypto projects um, and in this bear market, you know, you have more time to think through those those business models. Mm-hmm. I actually think that it didn't slow down like to, uh, a lot because if you look at it, like I, I watched the Porsche NFT collection, which is very well designed, like you know, yeah. and sold out really fast, and then few other big collections, you know, like that are, you know, they they just take more time to prepare and to plan it strategically, and some of them are doing pretty you know, pretty well. So yeah, you're correct that it requires a little bit more preparation, probably and more meticulous planning and, you know, making sure it makes sense for their business model. Uh, but yeah, we, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see even more, even during the bear market. Um, yeah, I think, the, I think with Porsche, with Porsche and, and other um, brands that are launching or dropping NFTs, you know, it, it takes, there's a lag period. So um, the, the, the higher the quality, right. Of the, of the drop, if we're talking about NFTs, the longer time it takes to to get it done. Um, but but in terms of new kind of projects getting started today um, with brands, um, I think that you know will will may may slow down um, at, at least from what we're seeing in terms of our portfolio companies, mm-hmm. you know, pitching today um, brands um, for a metaverse play or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the quality is definitely going to increase, which is you know great for for consumers, great for brands and companies 100 percent. there's a, an interesting question nft boom 47 from twitter is asking i've read that regenerative finance refi is going to be a big trend in 2023 how does it differ from DeFi, and how do you see the future of it yeah sure so we, we actually um, have made a, a couple of investments in the refi space klimadal uh, open force protocol um i i think that this is you know the climate Climate side of things, climate control, you know, all the issues going with going on with global warming, massive market, the voluntary carbon market is, is growing, um, you know, double digits every year. Um, and it's a real problem. And I think this is a, I think blockchain can solve, you know, this real help solve some of the problems in, in climate. And the, the term refi, right? It's, it's to me, it just means how can we use token design? blockchain to you know better the um the 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 world that we live live in and 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 make financial incentives you know again going back to token design that makes sense for uh players in the space that otherwise would not be involved um so one example is um a very a concrete example is of a company called ofp open force protocol um and they are trying to displace a lot of the middlemen when it comes to uh, creating carbon credits, right, which are typically 
controlled by a uh, monopoly of, you know, Vera gold standard uh, oligopoly. Um, and, and so what they are doing is instead of just, you know, there, there are projects out there in the refi space that are just taking existing uh, carbon credits and bridging them on chain. Um, and for us, we don't think that that's as interesting as, as, uh, as creating and, and, and minting new carbon credits directly on chain without needing to bridge or anything like that. And so when you do that mm-hmm. and you're originating carbon credits on chain, what that means is you have a, a higher fidelity of carbon credits um, that can be tracked on chain, have full provenance, which is one of the key components of blockchain is that every single uh, transaction can be tracked on chain. And, and, and arguably the carbon credits that you're minting and creating that are, that, that, um, originate on chain are of higher quality and you can sell them for a, a higher, uh, cost, um, than, than, uh, you know, kind of carbon credits that are stale or the, that get converted, uh, from, uh, a Vera registry to, um, uh, on chain token. Um, and so, um, so that's, that's the one thing about, um, carbon credits, uh, being on chain is that it has, uh, full provenance. The second thing is, um, you can utilize validators, whatever you want to call them, miners, uh, to verify the carbon credits, uh, instead of having expensive consultants fly to your, your project, uh, your forest or your mangrove and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a lot of the profits are going to these expensive consultants to verify your, uh, your, you know, carbon credits and for your project. You can instead use validators and um, have, you know, and not have one centralized entity or uh, a couple of centralized entities determine if those carbon credits are worth anything. Um, and so I think there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, interesting things going on with with ReFi and, and Open Forest Protocols. One good example to look into if you're interested in that space. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, there's one provocative question I will ask you. So it's coming from Nakamoto-san from YouTube. Uh, do you agree with how Binance and CZ handled recent crypto issues? Do you expect this exchange to become a monopoly in the industry? How would that affect retail investors? Yeah, I think um, we need to go back one exchange that is now uh, bankrupt, which is FTX. And I think uh, what FTX showed us, uh, taught us is that, you know, we, we shouldn't be keeping our tokens on chain. Um, and, and sorry, we shouldn't be keeping our tokens uh, in hot wallets. Um, and uh, and having the uh, custody be owned by somebody else, um, you know, not your keys, not your coins. So I think that is something that um, should exist. And that's good kind of token hygiene for retail investors, for institutional investors. We don't keep a lot of our tokens on any any exchange where we don't own the keys. Um, and I, I think it's a, it's a hard lesson to learn. Um, and I, it goes for Binance as well. Um, a lot of folks are withdrawing capital from Binance, but you know the billions that are getting withdrawn from Binance shouldn't have been there anyways. Um, and so this you know Binance FUD uh, maybe you know doing a, a service for the industry. Um, I don't think uh, Binance is insolvent. I don't know the answer to that. Um, and and you know there may be more just you know FUD around regulatory and compliance issues. Um, that may be true, um, but. I think the, the, the lesson for, for consumers, um, is that you shouldn't be keeping, you know, uh, your, your, your coins on a centralized exchange, um, which is, which is hard to, it's a hard lesson to learn. And it's also, you know, consumer behaviors that's not consistent with, you know, the 99% of their lives before Binance was a thing because, you know, we keep our fiat dollars in the custody of JP Morgan Chase, other types of banks. So it's a, it's a different uh, mindset and it'll take time to, to convert. Um, 
you know, people to this. There's uh, another question from Rafael from YouTube. Uh, despite a 24% drop in Q3 fundraising, it's still 2.7 billion higher than last year. The correlation with prices seems to be breaking down. What can we attribute uh, this to? So can you repeat the question? So the question is the the fund the fundraising in the in, in the market. Yeah, I think he means he, he means like specifically in Web3 fundraising that like, you know, it's uh, uh, there's a 24% uh, drop in Q3, but still 2.7 billion higher than last year. And I, I think in total. Right. So uh, so what do you think? Why is that happening, even though we're in a bear market? You know, it's because of how fun it's because of how funds op- work. Um, you know, they, they raise, they raise capital, but they don't deploy all that capital, uh, in the same year that they raise it in. So, um, there's a lot of dry powder, um, that has been raised and so hasn't been deployed and, in funds, institutional, you know, funds, um, that still need to be deployed. And so, um, the price of Bitcoin, right? Price of crypto moves 24 seven. Um, but the, uh, but there's a lag period on on how fast those those funds can be deployed um, from from, from uh, the private markets. So that's another, um, I guess, um, you know, kind of uh, north star or like light at the end of the tunnel, right? For developers and and, and founders that are trying to build in the space is that you know although there's been a, a massive decrease in, in prices, you know, token prices, decrease in funding, um, that decrease in funding um, should pick up. Um, into next year, um, as uh, as the uh, dry powder needs to be deployed. I think you know to to wrap up, we'll ask you the last question, which is very I think very good for the summary. So, stable person from YouTube, uh, what are the top three lessons from this crypto winter, and do you have new principles in how you invest? Sure, I think um, there there are a couple of new lessons, but I think it's just like reaffirm, you know, kind of reaffirming some of the lessons that we've learned in the past from investing in traditional um and traditional vc that should be transitioned over to web3 investing um which come down to um making sure that you do your diligence right um i think a lot of uh vcs in the web3 space do not do enough diligence uh, and that can lead to uh the kind of uh craze in in fundraising environment for certain companies that should not have raised so much money so um you know just reaffirm reaffirmation that you know investors should take your we should take our time um before we we put a check um uh and and then and then two um when you're negotiating those uh investment uh term sheets you know make sure that you have proper checks and balances in place governance boards you know one thing that web3 companies uh, I was just talking to a founder this morning do not have a lot of um, is is the concept of having a, a board of directors um, and because you're uh, a lot of times selling tokens you know you don't have actually as an investor ownership into the, um, the the company and equity so there's no there's less concept of a, of a board but making sure that you have the right controls and, and governance for um, for your investment that you that you want to make so you know, boards, boards being one component of that. Um, and I think the second is, you know, uh, what we're really, we're, we're thinking hard about is, uh, a lot of these vesting schedules, right? Um, I think one lesson learned here is that, um, and this is also carry over from the last bull market, um, which is these vesting schedules for tokens, um, are, are, are fairly fixed. Um, you know, you have, let's say a three year vest, one year cliff, and then you get monthly or uh, weekly unlocks. 
And we're trying to think about, you know, more dynamic ways to um, have vesting where it's tied to growth, it's tied to engagement and traction of the, of the company. Um, and I think that's something that we've, you know, learned in space, especially uh, going through this, um, this uh, you know, cycle, which is, you know, these finite fixed vesting schedules that get deployed in smart contracts may not be the best for investors and the companies and and uh, and everybody involved. So, um, you know, I think the next bull market will come out with, you know, more interesting vesting schedules that may be tied to traction and growth. Uh, we have a company called Magna. Um, Magna, which is kind of building a, a Web3 Carta, um, you know, capital management, but other um, interesting things around vesting that I think uh, will be um uh, will be pretty interesting for the next bull market. Perfect. That's flexible investing. Yeah, it is a big topic. So it's it's like a separate conversation we can have for half an hour. Right? <laughs> uh, but thank you, Ida. Like really, you know, thank you for all your answers. I'm sure the audience like had a great uh, time like hearing from you, like, you know, learning from you. And we hope to have you more again. Uh, thank you everyone for joining Games Hub today. Uh, so we're going to see you uh, around in two weeks, you know, exactly at 4 p.m. UTC, 11 uh, a.m. EST on YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live, Twitter Live, all the lives. And then please follow Shima Capital. They, they're one of the best investors in, in the industry. Uh, all the links will be provided in the description and uh Yida, you know like i'm sure he's he's very popular now becoming but very popular <laughs> it's like a linkedin and twitter so you can follow him there and read all the news and he has an amazing team so i'm sure you're gonna enjoy just following shima capital's path again thank you so much Yida, and have a great day thank you stay tuned with games hub a crypto talk show by games pad